0: Thank you, Naomi, for reading for us. Shall we pray together before we look at that bit of the Bible? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what a joy it is to know you in your greatness. But um, often we can't see you as you really are, and so we pray today you would, by your Spirit, open our eyes so we see how great you are from your Word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, here is uh, on the screen as of Friday, the UK top 10. I can't keep up with this these days. In my day, this happened once a week, but apparently the top 10 is now updated like every 15 seconds or something. So uh, this is the top 10 selling singles in the UK as of Friday at about 12 o'clock. I don't know what it is now. Let me talk you through them. Number 10 is Ed Sheeran Castle on the Hill. That's a song about nostalgia. At number 9, It Ain't Me. That's a song about a relationship breaking up. Number 8, Solo Dance. That's about a girl who goes out dancing and a guy trying it on with her but her saying, No, I'm not interested. Uh, something just like this. That's about a romantic relationship being the solution to life's problems. Passion Fruit is a song about a relationship breaking up. Symphony is a song about the perfect relationship being like beautiful music. Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran, that's a variation on a theme. It's about a romantic relationship, but with an Irish person. (laughs) Shape of You by Ed Sheeran, that's just about sex, basically. And Sign of the Times by Harry Styles, Well, the gist of that song is the world's bad. You can stop crying because you have a romantic relationship. Now, uh, if a culture is revealed by what it sings about, songs, the poetry, the plays of a culture, well, it's clear what in our culture we are totally obsessed with, isn't it, by looking at the top ten selling singles. We sing in our culture at this place at this time about romantic love or the lack of it. That is the song... Our world is singing. And it may be that your life is singing that song too. Your life also works that same way. Whether you have realized it or not, whether you're musical or not, your life is singing a song to the world around you. Musical or not, there is a melodic theme A grand symphony, a tune which your life is always returning to. There is a song you're singing, a poem you are constantly repeating about what matters being performed to everyone around you all the time. Now it could well be that like our culture's songs, the melody you're playing is about the ultimate importance of sex and romance. Whether you're married or not, you could be singing a song with your life, which says, what matters is sex, romance, marriage, getting together with someone romantically. For lots of people, the song they're singing is a song in praise of safety. It's a very middle class song. Everything in your life sings the virtues of pensions and gardens and good schools Maybe the song you're singing is actually just a song about yourself. No, it's all about my choices and my identity and the person that I am, and that's the great message I'm putting out to the world. Often that song comes across a bit like to everybody else. I'm singing that song, and you should be too. Maybe your song is a quiet, feeble song that very few people can hear because it's a song of fear, a song of caution just a little sort of bleat of intimidated fear about what people think, what will happen to me. It's an honest question to ask a good friend or maybe the person you're married to. If my life was a song, what would it be singing? Well, whatever answer you work out or your friend gives you, Psalm 96, and I want to join in with Psalm 96 in calling you, calling us, Pleading with us, offering us the amazing awesome, in the true sense of that word awesome, to sing a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Stop making up songs saying romance and sex will make everything okay. Stop singing in praise of my career and my safety. Stop worshipping uh, things apart from the great God who really exists. Sing to the Lord a new song. Three things. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. The three points we're going to see. Here's the first one. Sing to the Lord. Now, I don't know whether you, any of you will know who this woman is. She is a woman called Patty Boyd. Does that mean anything to you? She was married to both George Harrison and then later to Eric Clapton, who are famous musicians. So she has had three... Very famous songs written about her. Something by the Beatles, "Layla" by Derek and the Dominoes, and Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. They're all about this woman. I personally can't see what the fuss is about, but there you go. <laughs> now, people create, they are inspired to take action, to, to sing. Songs are drawn out of them because of their appreciation for something or someone else in front of them. If your life is singing a song, taking a shape, a form of living, it's because something is inspiring you to that. You're singing your song to something. Whether it's a person, like George and Eric, or a thing, or a way of life, you are singing your song, creating things, making a world to live in because something is inspiring you that it's a great thing. do that towards. And what Psalm 96 says, whatever it is that's drawing your song out of you at the moment, there is someone more inspiring. When you look at him, you will be called to sing a new song, a different, better, soul-satisfying song of joy, because when you see him, when you really see him, that song of his excellence, his glory, rises up in you. Well, in my late teens, I went through a stage of attending every Christian youth event there was going. And in Northern Ireland, there are lots of those. In fact, one of them we used to all go into Belfast to go to together as my youth group. And then me and my friend Mark just used to go to the cinema, then come back at the end. Uh, but when we did attend, instead of going to the cinema, uh, the refrain was linked but slightly different Not people are going to hell, but don't you love people enough to tell them about Jesus and serve them? Again, it's a true refrain, but it's not much of a song. And then the similar slightly different. Aren't you so grateful to God for what he's done for you that you want to tell other people about it so they can sing out in gratitude as well? And the answer to that was, to be honest, not really. I'm not even grateful enough to miss out on the trip to the cinema to attend this event. So never mind my life becoming an outpouring of singing, this rhapsody, this different song. So what gives? Well, it's this. We sing to the Lord a new song. We see him. Verse 4, look at down at the psalm in verse 4. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. And then this list of words, splendor, majesty, strength, glory. God, the real God who is there, is so great, so worthy of praise, so splendid, so majestic, so strong, so glorious, that when you meet him, when you really meet him, you forget the old song, whatever it was you were singing to and about before, And you sing a new song to the Lord. I guess we might feel a bit like, though, but how do I see God in this way that the psalmist is describing? He gives us one clue here in verse 5. The Lord, that's the word the Bible always uses for the real God, the Lord made the heavens. I remember in my early 20s once having a silly sort of theological discussion in a pub in the country about some type of boring theological point that you think is very important in your early 20s, about how does God speak, is it just in the Bible or in other ways too? And I remember we had this heated debate, we were in this pub in the country, and then we stepped outside the pub to walk back to where we were staying, into this totally free of street lights, dark night. And we looked up together and we saw the Milky Way spreading out in front of us. And of course, what you're seeing when you see light from the Milky Way is light that has taken light years to get to us. That's the size of the universe we're in. And I remember one of my friends saying, isn't it just amazing that the God who spoke all of that into existence wants to communicate with us at all? The Lord made the heavens. He's a God of such glory, such strength, such majesty. Looking at the stars is a small insight into how great he is. So sing to the Lord, be inspired by him, have this soul delighting, real delight in having access to a God so great, so brilliant, so awesome. I just find it hard to fathom, I feel like I'll be forever fathoming, maybe that's literally true because we have eternity with God to do it, that out of his great love for us, that great God who spread his strength and glory and majesty out in the heavens, says that he is seen most gloriously, most as he truly is, when he becomes a person a small human person one of 10 billion and loves other people to death it's true that the lord made the heavens when all the other things that we lend our lives to singing about have made diddly squat difference to us in fact probably the stuff we are singing the song of our life to whatever it is probably makes our life more difficult We choose badly things to shape our lives around, the search for love, the search for a job, the search for safety. Well, that's because they're not real gods. But the God who made the heavens, he stepped in below the heavens to a tiny planet in a tiny corner of the universe out of his amazing, majestic, never-ending self giving, love. He humbled himself to nothing out of that love. And Psalm 96 is saying, if you're going to sing about something, sing about that. Lots of us, I guess, who come here every week know that. We think, I am worshipping and idolizing and living for something that isn't all that important. Certainly nothing like the awesome God who made the heavens. We realize that, and so we think, yes, I must go out and sing a new song to the Lord. I must go out there and make everybody see that the Lord is good and awesome by the strength of my singing with my life. Maybe that's where all of those threatening motivations I grew up with came from. They read Psalm 96 as if it's saying, change the song of your life if you really care about other people. It's as if Psalm 96 had written, sing about the Lord a new song. Find a motivation to sing something about God to the world. But no, verse 1, sing to the Lord. That is what God is calling us to, is to look at him, the strength of the God who made the heavens, The glory of the God who became a person to include people in his love, taking their shame, pouring out his spirit, remaking everything through the spread of the gospel, look at him and sing to him. Not, I must appreciate this more. That will never be a very heartfelt appreciation. But see someone and love them. Fill your gaze with that amazing, heavens-filling God who became a person and see what song gets drawn out of you by him. You see someone you love, your life buzzes with that song. But it's going to require a different song, a new song. So we sing not about the Lord, but to the Lord. And the second thing we sing is sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Trembling and fear have a bad rap, don't they? Who wants to be scared? Most of us in our world in the UK today live a life pretty much without risk because we don't want to be scared. We don't want to feel insecure, to be in trouble, to look foolish. It's ridiculous. We're scared of being scared. We structure our whole lives to avoid the feeling of being insecure or uh, unstable at all. And yet, this joy-filled, rainbow-colored psalm of praise says unapologetically about God, to the whole earth, every single person, he invites everybody, in verse 9, to tremble before the Lord. To be totally overawed to the point of being terrified at the splendor of God's holiness. That's the invitation. Come and be scared. God is so utterly different, so perfectly pure in love, so separate from the way that we are. We are invited to fall down before him knowing that and to tremble about it. It's a strange invitation, isn't it, to people who are so scared of even being scared. And yet there are those moments, aren't there, where we do tremble and they are amazing moments. Perhaps it's the moment that you held your first child in your arms. When that happened to me, I was shaking, terrified, awe filled. Still one of the best moments of my life. Maybe that moment when you reach the top of the mountain and the view spreads out before you and takes your breath away. You're trembling. Maybe it's that trembling moment where he knelt down and got out the ring. You were probably absolutely shaking. But it was the best moment. It's not just that we like those moments of trembling. We live for those moments, don't we? We seek them out. We're scared of being scared, but that type of soul-filling, awesome trembling, that's actually when I felt most alive, most fully human. When I move from my myopic, introspective, bemusing on myself and the meaningless buzz from the latest fad, when I stop living from just dream to helpless dream, do this and then do this and then do this. When I stop and tremble at something awesome, that's when I'm most alive. The Greek uh, philosophers used to talk about this word that's becoming quite trendy now for people to talk about, Acadia. And one person I was reading this week talks about this. It's the mark of those. So much in the habit of looking at nothing, that when they look at something, especially at the Lord, the supreme object of delight, they can only sigh, shake their heads, and close their eyes. Just describes to me the way our world is now at the moment. We are so used, aren't we, to endlessly looking at nothing. It's impossible to stop and really look. At something. And the psalmist says, step out of that sad, dull, boring, subhuman way of living. Scroll, 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 scroll. He says, step out of that and tremble before him, all the earth. Sing a new song about something real and brilliant and worth singing about, joyfully give to the real God the honour that is his. That is when you'll be most alive. If you're constantly half-heartedly jumping from tweets to checking emails to updating Facebook, perhaps even at this exact moment, you're yawning, thinking about your shopping list, planning your work or school or lectures for tomorrow, you know, the song of your life, basically, is shaped and written about things that you don't even like that much. You're so tired of life. You're weary looking at those things. Well Psalm 96 says, well, you don't have to do it. Really seek out the glory and splendor of the God who is utterly holy. Come and sing a new song. Be so overawed and overcome and consumed with his difference, his holiness, that there's something new to sing about to shape your life around. This invitation to sing to the Lord a new song is challenging. It is saying... At the moment, we are singing to stuff that isn't God, and there is only one real God, so we should be singing to him. It's right. He did make the heavens. The glory belongs to him. But it's also saying, listen, to be able to lift your eyes, to see him as he is, and have that trembling, awe-filled song drawn out of you. It's saying, listen, you're dying for that. You're longing for it. You are longing for there to be more than trudging along, doing your best. You're longing for there to be more than bored, duty-ridden, burdened by normality in the deadness of life. You're longing for more than that. Worship the Lord, then, in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. I used to worry that God is a slightly bigger version of this man. He's been in the news a lot recently. Kim Jong-un, commanding us to worship him. See all the people gathered round. I don't imagine that all the people gathered round him actually think he's all that great. They've just been commanded to, haven't they? Them all clapping and waving and applauding him. And look at verses 7 and 8 of the psalm. Here's a command from this psalm. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations... Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Is God just standing in heaven needy? Being like, oh, I just wish someone would sing praises to me. It's so boring up here without hearing Christchurch Liverpool singing their songs together. Then Sunday morning comes and he's like, ah. That's better. Sounds a weird view of God, doesn't it? And it says the glory is due to God's name. That means basically no matter whether we give the glory to God or not, it is his. So why does it matter to him? If we ascribe the glory to him, if we sing to him, if we praise him. Because, of course, it's not for his benefit, it's for mine. And for other people's, as we'll see in a moment. I'm the one who's longing for something greater. I am the worshipping soul, and without God, I find myself worshipping all sorts of things that don't really deserve the song of my life. Meanwhile, in Christian land, we're thinking about emotionally manipulative ways to try and get people to live right. The psalmist says, just sing to the Lord a new song. Worship in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him. Enjoy the wonderful, breathtaking difference between God and you. So don't walk away from God thinking, well, I ought to be better at singing his song. See his glory and respond from your heart to the all-consuming, all-satisfying greatness of God. And if you do know where to start... Begin to get a picture of it from the heavens. Stop being scared of being scared. Step out and look at Jesus and ask God to show you his glory in the face of his son who became a person and poured out his life and reigns over the world. Fill your hungry soul with the greatness of that God. Sing to the Lord a new song. As long as there is a God in heaven, an author of all things, who comes to us perfectly in Jesus, reaching, loving, caring, awesome and holy, there is a possibility of there being something new to sing rather than whatever song is making your life miserable at the moment. Always new melodies, new patterns, new poems, new shapes of living. It's all there for you as long as he is there. To so ask God to crack through the dry, hard-heartedness the melody you're sick of, your old song. And teach you a new song that comes from trembling at the splendor of his holiness. If you're scared of being scared, you won't do it. Coming face to face with that awesomeness will be scary and his holiness will burn away your commitment to all the things you feel like keep you safe, all the false gods that are still hanging around, But do sing to the Lord. Look at him and let your song be drawn out. A new song, a song that is about his awesomeness. Fill your spiritual boots with his glory. Let me talk uh, then, the third thing that we see is sing to the the Lord a new song, All the Earth. I went to an event recently, which was an event where... um, Christians um, who are gay were telling their stories to church leaders so churches could understand that community better. And one girl was giving her testimony about how she was an art lesbian and um, she fancied this girl who's on her corridor at university and so went to church with her. But the girl who was a Christian clocked on that this was like a romantic sort of thing so was terrified and basically kept saying, no, I don't want you to come to church with me. And the lesbian woman was like, no, I was very persistent and insisted in coming to church with her. And she was like, no, please don't come. And um, then they ended up going to church together. And she said, I just heard about the gospel there and became a Christian at that moment. And she's still working out what that means for her life. Now, that is one of many stories I've heard in my life of basically Christians being very, very reluctant evangelists. You know, lots of people, maybe like you here today, It wasn't that some Christian really dragged you into becoming a Christian. It was more you were the one saying, I really want to know about this. And they were like, oh, no, I'm a bit scared to tell you. And you were like, well, stop being scared and tell me the truth, please. Uh, Lots of people become Christians that way. Lots of us end up doing this thing we call evangelism, spreading the gospel, sharing our faith sort of accidentally or reluctantly. And that's good, isn't it? It just means God's more committed to people becoming Christians than we usually are. And it's a good job. But we do realize when that happens, it's not sort of right. And so we hear the sermon about evangelism, we think, okay, I will get out there and invite and embarrassingly hand out a few flowers to the carol service in work. And no one's criticizing that. You know, I think God smiles on us when we get out there and do something right, even when we don't really feel like doing it. So if you've been doing evangelism in that way and, you know, saying to your friends who aren't Christians, please don't come to church with me. And they've been like, no, I really want to. I'm not criticizing that. We're very glad those people come along. It's better than I usually do. But when we're talking about Jesus that way, it feels like there's something missing, doesn't there? It feels like this should be something that's bubbling up inside me, spreading out this wonderful news. You know, the truth is, I might get guilted into it occasionally, And that's better than nothing, but that doesn't quite feel right for something so momentous. Well, Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord all the earth. It says the whole earth is invited by God into this place where we see him. And this amazing new song is drawn out of us. The God who we belong to shapes us into who we should be as we see him. But how does the whole earth receive this invitation? How does the whole earth catch this fire? Verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds amongst all people. Or verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Note it doesn't say gather a few Christians together on Wednesday nights and have a discussion about what it means for our lives that the Lord reigns. that's what it says, we'd be the most obedient church ever. But no, the way the whole world is called to sing the new song to the Lord is that people who know the true song, who have seen the glory of the Lord, their lives sing this song out there amongst the nations. What if? We could be so drawn into this amazing song of God's greatness. So captivated by the true glory of God that we see in Jesus. That we are just among the nations singing that song. Saying among the nations that the Lord reigns. Passing on the joy and satisfaction and the amazing glory of Jesus that we ourselves have experienced. My, whatever word you like to use, evangelism, faith sharing, whatever it is, is far from that. Yours may well be too, and I'm definitely not saying stop what you're doing at the moment. But what Psalm 96 is saying, this is more likely to spread if it happens through people who love the living God, who are amazed at his holiness, who are deeply convicted of what he's like, then they're much more likely to just be there in the nations talking about it. Please look for then, and ask for and really deeply want the greatness of the true God to be imprinted all the way through your life. Because someday the whole world and not even just the people will be singing this song. Did you notice, verse 11 to 13, uh, it all goes a bit Lord of the Rings, which is why we've got a Lord of the Rings picture up there, in case you were wondering. The trees of the earth are going to sing this song before the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, I've never seen a tree singing. Uh, Someday the Bible seems to say that I will, and I look forward to seeing whether it's a face like this or some other way. It's all a bit sort of Lord of the Rings. But the story of the Bible, that's because Lord of the Rings is copied from the story of the Bible, basically, is that everything in the world is made to sing out that God is glorious, that God is beautiful, that God is amazing. And at the moment, everything in the world is broken and wrong and imperfect. So it doesn't sing that song. But someday, when God judges the earth and puts everything right, the sky, the earth, The sea, the fields will rise up to perfectly reflect the glory of God in an amazing new eternal song. It can sort of be seen now we look at the heavens and we can see God's amazing majesty. But it seems obscure, doesn't it? Lots of people look at the heavens and say, no, I can't see God there. But one day, all the covers will be pulled off. And everything God has made will sing out in the glorious light of this perfect, pure, self-giving, creative God who made it all. Sing to the Lord of the earth. Everything we see is beautiful and broken and will someday be restored to sing out the character of our God as it was made to do. At the moment, creation's song The cadence never quite resolves. Mighty winds inspire all, but they also devastate cities. Mountains are beautiful, but dangerous. The sun is gloriously warm, but can burn and even kill you. But one day the tune will resolve. The final cadence. Everything will sing out perfectly to the God who judges everything righteously. Now, there's a reason that Lord of the Rings is a sort of fantasy novel, because this sounds crazy to people, but I just wonder if it makes more sense than we think it might. Could it be true that these things we are singing about with our lives at the moment, could it be true that they aren't worth the beauty of the music they inspire? You know, some of those songs in the top ten, they're good tunes. But is what they're worth, is what they're about really worth the tune? It could it be that our songs are echoes of our yearning to be satisfied by a God so utterly different from us that we tremble at him. And yet, whose immense glory is displayed in perfectly loving us. Could it be that everything around us is the way it is because it is waiting to sing out to that God of his greatness perfectly one day? Could it be that this song will spread like wildfire around the world as people who know the melody get caught up in blazoning out the glory of the God that they have actually met? Could it be, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that what you're missing is the true song, the melody that holds everything else together, that's found in the person of Jesus, offering you a way back to God? Well, if that's you, can I say, sing to the Lord, all the earth. You are invited to trust Jesus, even right now, and join with all of creation, singing and waiting for him to put everything right. The gods of all the nations are idols. Whatever it is your life is singing about at the moment, it is not a real God. But the Lord, the God we meet in Jesus, he made the heavens. Let's pray. For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the work of your Spirit in our lives, so that we can appreciate your awesomeness. And that as we do that, you will draw this song, this new song, better song, out of our lives than whatever we're singing to at the moment. We pray that as we see your glory in the face of Jesus, that you'd help us stop scrolling on, never interested in anything, but sucked in and captivated by him. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will do that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.